Put them over your heart. Say this with me. This is my Bible. God's written living word to me. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might behold wonderful things from your law. We're going to continue this morning in a new series entitled Naturally Supernatural. And this morning's message I've entitled Jesus, God or Man? Let's look at our text. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'll begin reading in verse 44. It is sown a natural physical body, and it's raised a supernatural or spiritual body. Now, Paul in this context is talking about the resurrection of the saints. Um, there were sects of people who thought that the resurrection from the dead, the literal resurrection, bodily resurrection of people from the dead, was a heresy, and uh, they argued it. And so Paul is making a defense of this cardinal, foundational doctrine of the resurrection. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a supernatural body. As surely as there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Hold on to that. You might want to underscore that. A life-giving. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual life which came first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from out of the earth made of dust, earthly-minded. The second man is the Lord from out of heaven. Now, those who are made of the dust are like him who was first made of the dust. They're earthly-minded. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven, heavenly-minded. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we, and so let us, bear the image of of the man of heaven. I want to comment about verse 49 briefly. In almost every translation, English translation of the Bible, what you'll read there is this, and just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we understand that to be our natural birth, human birth, after the likeness of Adam. Almost every translation says, so shall we be of the man of heaven, or so shall we bear the image of the man. In other words, it puts it in the future. And that's exactly where most of us live. There's a great deal of problem today in Christianity with believers who are powerless, who in this life now really don't see transformation, really don't see the effectiveness of the gospel because our theology tells us that really every physical blessing, every real power, every real transformation in life is going to be over there when we get to heaven someday and we put it off in the future. Even living a victorious life, as simple as a victorious life, that subject, living as a Christian here now, in a victorious way, free from death, free from sin and its effects, 
isn't something that many Christians believe is possible because their theology tells them that that isn't attainable until you get over there. When you pass over, when you get to heaven, you'll become like him. You'll take on his image and become like him. Now, to the credit of the Amplified translation, and then when you read in literal Greek, the Amplified translation brings out a nuance here, and it's very important. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so let us bear the image of the man of heaven. It puts it in the now context. We've been born in a human way, so now, after our new birth in Christ, we ought to be manifesting his image now in this life. A second passage that I'd ask you to turn to is Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, look with me at verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, again reading from the Amplified Translation, how God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power, how he went about doing good and in particular curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. As we continue in this uh, series, I want to point out a couple of things from our first message that we had together. First of all, nothing is more supernatural than being born again. A lot of times we are guilty, especially as charismatic believers, of looking for the wow in Christianity. And I submit to you, nothing is more wow than when you accepted Jesus as your Savior. The day you became a Christian and got born again, all of heaven was moved to shout, to rejoice. I mean, they did a jig, they danced, and heaven was worshiping and glorifying God the Creator for what happened in your life. That's a wow. So what is the supernatural? How would we define it? Webster says that it's an order of existence beyond the visible, observable universe, especially relating to God, a spirit, or a devil. Now, I submit to you, however, in that definition, that uh, it's not beyond the observable when you're a believer. When you're a believer, God wants you to observe his goodness, his grace, his miracles, his kindness, it is normal for a believer to walk in the supernatural. We are not waiting to get to heaven to see and to observe the supernatural. Webster's gives a second definition to this that goes like this. Departing from what is usual or normal, especially so as to appear to transcend the laws of nature. I've come up with one. I'd like to read it to you. Any manifestation that supersedes the known laws of science and occurs without the necessary aid of human assistance. What do I mean? I mean that someday when Jesus comes back and we, are, and we begin to know as we are known and all of, all of eternity and all of the supernatural and, and all of God himself 
is revealed to us and we're not restrained by these bodies and by this finite mind, we're going to find out that some of the things that we thought were miracles might not have been. To us, they're very supernatural. To us, they certainly do go beyond a natural. It's a manifestation that supersedes a known law of science. But, you know, I'm not convinced that when Jesus walked on water, there wasn't something there. I'm not talking about rocks under the water, you know, that he walked on. We've all seen those cute little internet internet, uh, funnies and comics and so forth. I'm talking about there just may be something in the economy of God, in the spiritual realm that allowed him to walk on water that we just don't, we don't understand. It's beyond our laws of science, but it's not all that supernatural. But suffice to say, if it, if, if it goes beyond our known laws of science today as we know it, it is supernatural, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. So why is understanding the supernatural so important? Why would we even do a series on the supernatural? Well, first of all, the Bible says, so that the works of God can be displayed. I expect to see God's hand in my life every day. Secondly, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5 that the supernatural manifests in our lives as believers so that our faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. And boy, in the day and time we live, our faith needs to rest in something greater than the wisdom of men. Amen? Something greater than our political system, our educational systems, than science, than what this person says or that person says. We're in a state of moral relativism, postmodern society where everybody just believes as they want to. And we need to serve a supernatural God who manifests his supernatural presence in ways that's life transformational. And our Hope and our confidence would rest then in God's power to transform us rather than the wisdom and the arguments of philosophy and men and education. Now, the scripture actually gives us yet another one, and it's the goal of our faith. We discussed this in our first lesson. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9 states that the outcome of our faith is the salvation of of our souls. The Greek word there is sozo, which not only means forgiveness of sins, but the healing of your body, the deliverance of your mind, the settling and giving you peace. In the Hebrew, the word is expressed this way, nothing missing, nothing broken. I believe that God wants us to enjoy a life here on earth now, in this time, before he returns where there's nothing missing and nothing broken. Am I there yet? Not at all. But I'm striving for what he has set before me in his word as a possibility. Now question, I'm just going to drop this as a seed. Would it be your understanding, would it be your belief that Jesus lived a victorious, overcoming, sinless, wonderful life free of disease and sickness, and he didn't have any relational problems, except with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Or in other words, religious people. 
We are always going to have a problem with religious people who don't believe the word of God or don't believe it's for today. There's just always going to be a problem with people that are religious. Even the, the, the word of God even speaks of God as when, when he smells that, it's a stench. Religion is a stench. So we're not talking about religion this morning. We're talking about an experience with the creator of the universe that's life transformational and catapults you into a different realm of the supernatural. And I believe it's possible on this earth, as Jesus did, to walk every day in the supernatural, free and delivered from the effects of sin. I won't reach perfection, but boy, I can sure enjoy life now. I don't have to be under it. I can be over it. I don't have to succumb to it. I can, I can take authority over it. I don't have to go through life bearing and carrying the weight of it. I can cast it off and walk free of it and walk in victory. You insert in the blank it whatever you want to. Finances, relational peace, in your marriage with your kids, sickness and disease, your health. You insert there in the it spot what you need to. Question. Did Jesus live on the earth as God or as a man? This is no small point of controversy among theologians today. And I'm going to submit to you my understanding of it from the word of God and ask you to evaluate it for yourself. Again, the question. Did Jesus... Walk on this earth as God, performing his miracles, walking free from the power of sin, staying free from temptation, helping people, hearing God, obeying God. Did he do that as, di uh, as the divine son of God or did he do that as a man? Let's look to the scripture and see what it says. Acts again in our text. Chapter 10 and verse 38. Let's reread it. Everybody together. It'll be on the screen here. Ready? Read. How God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power. How he went about doing good and in particular curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil for God was with him. Question. Was not Jesus God? The scripture states that he was. That he was equal with God. Was, not the cre was he not the creator of the universe? The Bible speaks of Jesus being there with God the Father and that all things were created by him, through him, and for him. Now, isn't God all-knowing? Isn't God all-powerful? If Jesus was God, if Jesus created the universe, isn't Jesus all-knowing, all-powerful, King of kings, Lord of lords? Yes, of course. But what then does Acts 10.38 imply when it says, how God, speaking of the Father, anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and strength and ability and power. You mean Jesus needed an anointing of the Holy Spirit? 
You mean Jesus, when he walked on this earth, needed strength, power, the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life? Well, how can that be? How can the Son of God, co-equal with the creator of the universe, need an anointing? How could the creator of the universe come in human form, need strength and power? Sounds like Paul was out of his mind, or the writer of Acts, Luke. Go in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2 for an answer to this puzzle. Philippians chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 6. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 6, look at it with me. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man. Yes. He was God. Jesus was divine. Jesus created the universe. Jesus was, of course, the essence of all that's divine about the Holy Spirit. But he laid that down. He didn't grasp it. When he came to this earth, he became a man. He laid down his divinity. Listen to it from the J.B. Phillips translation. I quote, For he who had always been God by nature did not cling to his prerogatives as God's equal, but stripped himself of all privilege by consenting to be a slave by nature and being born as a mortal man. And having become a man, he humbled himself by living a life of utter obedience, even to the extent of dying. And the death he died was the death of a common criminal. Our Jesus did that so that he could relate to you and me. Yes, he was 100% God. But he emptied himself of his divinity. He laid his prerogatives down. And he walked in this earth as a man. Anointed of the Holy Spirit. And everything Jesus did, every miracle he performed, every person he set free, every blind eye he opened, every leg he caused to grow out, every temptation he resisted and refused, He did as a human, as merely a man, anointed with the Holy Spirit. You know, that gives me hope. Because if he can do it, if he as a man was able to accomplish what he did, not because he was divine, but because he was anointed and full of the Holy Spirit, that gives me hope for today. See, I I think we have this very Hollywood idea of who and what Jesus was, how he acted. And the more the, the more mature I've come become in my walk and and, and the more the closer I feel like I've grown to the Lord, the more I've lost some of my religious notions of who he must have been and how he acted. 
Now, from the Bible, we can prove that he was compassionate. He cared for the poor. He was humble. He was meek before his enemies. He showed tenderness towards children, even grabbing them up in his arms. Young man, would you stand on your chair? I know that's odd, but I give you permission. Yeah, stand, go ahead and just stand on your chair. Could I hug you? This is what Jesus did to little kids. He'd just grab them and hug them and shake them around and say, I love you, you're the best. That's what Jesus did. See, but we have this Hollywood idea that he kind of, he walked around kind of half glazed over, you know. And then all of his disciples were about 12 feet behind him. And I don't think it was that way at all. They ate together. I know they cracked jokes. He was a skilled carpenter. He was selfless. He was a good listener. He loved and took care of his mother. He was a good communicator. He was respectful. He was patient and understanding. He was flexible. And in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, verse 21, it says that Jesus rejoiced. But in the Greek word for that word rejoiced, it means he leapt. In other words, Jesus danced. You say, well, is there any scripture that says that Jesus laughed? Well, no, there's not. But there's no scripture that says he blew his nose either. <laughs> but how many of you know Jesus blew his nose every once in a while? You know why I think some of these things aren't in the record? Because of what we would do with it. We'd turn it into our religious Phariseeism. And, and if it told us just how, he'd la how he laughed, we'd have to laugh like that. If it told us he used two Kleenexes instead of one, we'd have to blow our nose every time with two instead of one. Now, I'm a three Kleenex person myself. I go after it. But see, I have a freedom there. I'm not bound by any religion that tells me I have to do it a certain way. And so thank God, every little nuance of how Jesus acted isn't in the Gospels. So again, why is this so important to us to understand that Jesus didn't live or walk on earth as a divine being, but as a human being? Because if Jesus lived and walked on the earth as God, using his divine ability and nature to overcome sin and perform miracles, you and I don't stand a chance of being like him. However, if on the other hand, he lived and walked on the earth as a man, if everything he did, his prayer, his obedience, his miracles, his standing in faith, his listening to God, and his receiving direction from God, if he did that as a man anointed by the same Holy Spirit that's available to you and to me, then that gives me hope that I can live the same way and have the same victory and enjoy the same blessing in my life. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 31 says this, So brethren, we who are born again are not children of the natural, but of the supernatural. Like it or not, when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you became supernatural. Everybody say it with a little pause there. I'm supernatural. Because see, the title of our series is Naturally 
supernatural. And, and I think one of the things that scares unbelievers, visitors, guests that might otherwise come to a church service is we're goofy. If, if we claim, there, there, there's two extremes. Either we claim to be a Christian or don't live like it, and so they accuse us of being hypocrites. Or we claim to be a Christian, but they don't see any difference in the quality of our life, in the victory we enjoy, the health we're walking in, in answers to prayers, in the things that we're enjoying and living in now, that they say, why would I want to go waste an hour and a half to two hours at your church and just hear a message of judgment about behavior modification and how I don't measure up so I can't join your group? When I'm having a perfectly fine life, at least as good as yours, you're as great a mess as I am. Thank you. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible records that first Adam and how he was created or born. You know it. That, that God fashioned him out of the dirt of the ground, right? How many of you remember that? Hey, guys, all the guys. Could I see all the guys' hands? How many of the men in this room remember the account in Genesis that God fashioned man or made man out of the, say it, dirt of the ground? Do you know that's why our wives call us dirt bags? <laughs> Amen. See, I got a hand. I got a hand on it. I got a hand on all the men. I got a hand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, and then what happened? After he fashioned man, he breathed into him the breath of life, the Bible says, right? And he became a living being, human being. But literally, the Hebrew says this. And God breathed a soul into the first Adam. He didn't create a soul. He breathed it into him. Oh, there is something about the breath of God. When he breathes into us, that's creative. God released Adam's soul and gave him his personality and all that he was and his brilliance and his handsome look and just God, God breathed into Adam a soul. That speaks to me that my breath, since I'm in the image of God, my words are creative. This passage in Genesis 2.17 Living soul is what Adam became. God had breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. But through disobedience, Adam became this lower thing. A mere natural man. But through Christ, man may enjoy a higher existence, which God intended from the very first. Question, when Adam was first created, was he not created perfect? Was he not created sinless? He didn't have any sin, didn't he? Did he? Was there any sickness there in the garden? No. 
Adam originally, when he was first created, he had never experienced disease. It wasn't even present. Think of the brilliant mind that had to be necessary for him to name all of the animals and the bugs. And That's a brilliant mind. All of that was Adam's before he disobeyed and fell into a lower state. We call it sin. But thank God the last Adam has come and redeemed us. See, God deemed Adam ruler over all creation. Gave him life, health, power, victory, joy, perfection, everything that he could possibly want. And then he fell. But Christ came and did what? What's our Christian term for it? He redeemed us. Meaning what? He redeemed you back to that former way of life. He put you back in the garden. He redeemed you a ruler. He redeemed you a person with a brilliant mind. He redeemed you as one who should walk in health and enjoy a, a, a good life that's prosperous and your needs are met. And the Bible is full of passages that would speak to all of those issues. We don't have time this morning. But here's the deal. Genesis presents human beings not only as a climax of God's work and creation, but also that they're made in the divine image and manifesting God's rule here on earth. And so let's go back to our text real quick. Verse 49, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Jeff, would you put that up? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 49. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we, or more correctly, and so let us bear the image of the man of heaven. One of the commentators says, that this to bear the image of heaven means to wear a garment. How many of you, when you got up and showered and took care of yourself this morning and dressed and ate your breakfast or not, thought about going to the closet just before scooting out of the house and putting something on additional, maybe a coat or a sport coat or a sweater, or at least grabbing it. Why? Because depending on the conditions, you might want to put something else on. I submit to you that every day, conditions around us determine whether or not I need to slip a little extra on of my God life, my God thinking, my God. God miracles, my God's supernatural way of being, thinking, and acting. You see, it's like a garment. I'm clothed in his likeness. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 tells us that we are conformed to the image of his son. What's that mean? Well, it's not that God has my nose or your ears or your hair color. What's it mean that we're in his image? That after Christ came into our heart and he filled us with his Holy Spirit, I act like, I talk like, 
I think like God does. And in fact, I'm so supernatural, naturally, that all day long, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, giving me direction, telling me the will of God, and showing me what I should say, how I should go, how to avoid a certain circumstance, stand in a particular temptation, or pray for somebody that I need to pray for. Now, folks, I'm telling you, this thing is like totally practical. And that's what I want to get across in this series. Being supernatural is very natural. It's, it's normal life. It's just how we ought to live and enjoy life because he lives within us. And because Jesus did it, not as a divine being, but as a human being, anointed of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that's available to you. I felt that Holy Spirit on Friday on the massage table. <laughs> That massage envy. I was laying there on this massage table getting a massage. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And I thought, whoa, this is different. I'm supposed to be relaxing. <laughs> because now I've got to figure out whether this is for the person that's giving me a massage or should I hold this till Sunday morning? Is it for somebody there? And I kept pondering it and weighing it, you know, as we do. And I just decided, this is for them. I'm going to speak it out. So there I am, face down in that little pillow, okay? So my voice is being projected to the mud floor. My cheeks are all pulled back like this, okay? So I'm in an eternal smile. I can't really talk. And the Lord's giving me a word for my masseuse. <laughs> So being a little shy, and again, I'm just trying to test the waters, but this is being naturally supernatural. I said, isn't it amazing how fast time goes by? I have no idea how long I've been laying here. I don't know if it's been a half hour or an hour or two hours. It just feels great. She says, I know. I've had the same experience. I waited. Lord, please, talk me out of this. T -t -t show me this is for another time. No, okay. You want me to give it to her. Okay. And then I said, would, would you please let me know when we're about 10 minutes away from you being done? Because you know they end early so you can lay there and get your wits about you and pull your cheeks back into place and fix your face and so forth. I said, about 10 minutes before you're done, let me know. And she said, well, I'm about six minutes from being done. <laughs> Why? Did you need me to? And I said, no, actually, I, I want to tell you something. <laughs> okay, faces down in the pillow. Cheeks are pulled back in that eternal smile. And I'm wrestling, is this Sunday morning or is this her? This is my masseuse. I mean, after all, she could break my back. <laughs> she could do a, yeah, yeah, and just bury me, you know, for giving a wrong word. I mean, I... She said, yeah, what is that? And I said, well, I got this picture of a, children's set of baby shoes. I said, I, I, I remember mine fondly because my, my mom and dad had ours bronzed. Any of you ever 
Any of you have bronzed baby shoes? I mean, the little guys, you know, when you were six to eight months old, you know, little baby shoes and the, and the cute little laces and they're white. And, and my parents had mine bronzed, you know. I don't know why, but I can't wear them anymore. <laughs> And I said, so I got this picture, and I described that to her, and I said, and, and sometimes the Lord will give me pictures like this, and then a word of blessing to go with it. And I just want to, you to know that the Lord is saying to you that your shoes have been untied, and that going all the way back into childhood, You've wrestled with something in your life that's caused you to be unstable. And the Lord's taking care of that in his love and his mercy. He wants you to know how much he loves you and how he's tying those shoes and taking care of those situations in your life because he loves you, because he wants to bless you. Pause. <laughs> Quiet. And then she spoke up. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. She said, that really gives me something to think about the rest of the day. She said, do you have a special gift in these kind of things? And I said, no, I'm just a pastor of a church, but these are actually supernatural gifts and abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to every Christ follower so that we can be a blessing and help others. And I was laying here and... It just came on me. <laughs> well, six minutes had already gone by, as you can imagine. And so we needed to end. She needed to get out. She said, I'll see you out there. And, and that ended. And so I may never know what that word meant to her. But you know what was important? Not whether or not she started weeping and fell down on the floor convulsing and saying, Oh, my God, what a word. <laughs> my life is... Tra what was important in the moment is for me to obey God and to be naturally supernatural. Because being so is just as natural as it can be. It's just as supernatural as anything else you read in the Bible. It's so simple. It's so easy. But it comes best as an expectation that we put on the Holy Spirit that every day when I get up, you're looking at Mr. Supernatural. Amen? You can say that about yourself. You're looking in the mirror at Mrs. or Miss or Mr. Supernatural. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointing today so that I can be a blessing to others and walk the way Jesus did in this earth. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please?